Good evening, race fans. Welcome back to a, another live episode, episode number four of the Push to Pass podcast. I am Derek Vance, and um, it is, it's been an off week, uh, I think, to, uh, to say the least. Uh, for all of the IndyCar drivers in the 2022 uh, IndyCar season. Uh, but they will ramp things back up next weekend uh, when they are at uh, Mid-Ohio for the uh, Honda Mid-Ohio Grand Prix, I believe is what is what they'll be racing at uh, next weekend. Uh, but before we get into any of that, uh, like I said, uh, welcome you. Uh, thank you for returning for episode number four. Uh, hopefully, as you look down at the bottom of your screen, uh, you do see the different uh, social media outlets uh, to uh, follow, if you would, please, on social media, uh, Facebook, Getter, uh, True Social, and Twitter, uh, just by searching Push to Pass Podcast. Uh, hopefully, uh, joining me this evening um is is supposed to be and we'll see if uh if that happens or not uh fellow uh, IndyCar journalist Tim May uh, a lot of you may know Tim for his coverage uh, specifically in the realm of college football uh, Ohio State football to be exact so uh, hopefully uh Tim May is able to join us at around 9:15 uh, so we can discuss uh what has been a interesting season to uh, to say the least we are at the midpoint as the uh, scroll says down there at the bottom uh, the midpoint of the 2022 uh, IndyCar season uh, a lot of intrigue uh, i think a lot of drama left um left to play out uh let's take a look at the current standings uh, point standings as they are right now. Uh, you have uh, Indianapolis 500 winner uh, Marcus Erickson uh, with the top spot right now with uh, 293 points. Uh, following him uh, is a pair of Pinsky teammates. Uh, first, Will Power, uh, 266 points. And then uh, last week's winner there at, at Road America, uh, Joseph Newgarden at 261 points. Uh, checking in next, number four, is Pato Award, uh, 248 points. Uh, following him in a close fifth is Alex Pillow at 246 points. Uh, following him, his Chip Ganassi teammate, uh, Scott Dixon, with 224 points. Uh, next, number seven, checking in Alexander Rossi, uh, 218 points. Uh, next, the uh, the other uh, Arrow McLaren SP car, which uh, some news coming out today uh, about uh, 2023 uh, for Felix Rosenquist. He is eighth in points at 203. Uh, number nine, uh, Scott McLaughlin. He has 199 points. Rounding out the top 10, uh, Simon Pagano with 197 points. Uh, checking in at 11th in points is Colton Herta. Uh, what an interesting up and down roller coaster uh, first half of the year Colton has had. To, uh, to say the least, at 196 points. Uh, next, his teammate, Roman Grosjean, uh, with 174 points. Uh, then you find the first of two 
uh, well, actually three, uh, Ed Carpenter racing cars, first uh, at 13, uh, Connor Daly with 171 points. Then next, his teammate, uh, number four, or 14th in points, Renus VK. And I think what a disappointing first half of the year uh, Renus has had with 161 points. Following him, uh, number f- at 15, Graham Rahal, uh, 159 points. And then you have Christian Lungard with 140 points. Uh, the other Meyer Shank racing car, uh, Elio Castroneves, coming in with 136 points. And then you find uh, Takumo Sato at 18 with 133 points. Uh, next, David Malukas. Uh, of Dale Coin Racing with 123 points, and then uh, Jack Harvey 105 points. Uh, Kyle Kirkwood, uh, which uh, a lot of talk about him going to Andretti uh, next year for 2023. Uh, he has 93 points. Uh, Callum Eilat, and I think this is a gentleman that has a high ceiling. Um, it's it's hard to say. Uh, what his future holds, uh, but a, a great driver to uh, to say the least. Uh, checks in at number twenty-two with ninety points. Uh, rookie uh, Delvin DeFrancesco uh, has eighty-six points. Uh, number twenty-four ranked Jimmy Johnson, eighty-five points. And now you get to some of the individuals that are on a one-race basis. Uh, number twenty-five, Tony Canon, seventy-eight points. Uh, Santino Ferrucci, which uh, we have we've had uh, discussions uh, on and off this podcast about um, his future uh, with uh, with who knows what racing team. Uh, he is 26th in points with 71 points. Uh, Dalton Kellett, uh, 20 or 62 points, rather. Uh, Tatiana Calderon, uh, 53 points. J.R. Hildebrand, 53 points as well. And then you find uh, the owner of Ed Carpenter Racing, Ed Carpenter himself, uh, 49 points. Uh, Juan Pablo Montoya, uh, one race, uh, the Indianapolis 500, uh, 44 points, along with Marco Andretti, uh, one race as well, 17 points. And then in, and then you have, following uh, that, uh, rounding this out, Sage Karam with 14 points. Uh, Stefan Wilson with 10 points, and then Simona Di Silvestro with nine points. So that is your look at the current uh, 2022 uh, point standings. I'm sure if uh, you know if Tim is able to uh, to join us, um, I've spoke with him sporadically. Uh, so uh, hopefully uh, he did get the invite link and he'll be able to uh, to join us uh, here in about uh, 10 minutes or so. Uh, recapping the first half of the year. Uh, remember, uh, as always, the IndyCar season opened up with the uh, Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, where you've seen uh, Scott McLaughlin pick up his first win of the year. And then it was a, a roll so far for, for Joseph Newgarden uh, at, at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, he scored a win there, and then he backed that up by scoring another win at the, uh, the Grand Prix of Long Beach. Moving on uh, from there, we were in uh, Alabama for the Grand Prix of Alabama, which uh, was won by Pato Award. That was uh, Chevrolet's, believe it or not, they, are, they, are, they were four out of four out of the gates in uh, 2022. 
And then after that, we moved into the month of May. Uh, first, it was the GMR Grand Prix out at the out at IMS, uh, which was won in a rain-soaked race uh, by Colton Herta. And then uh, the the big race, the biggest race uh, of the year, the Indianapolis 500, uh, which was won by uh, fellow Swede Marcus Erickson. And then we moved on to Detroit, uh, well, Belle Isle, uh, to uh, to say the least there. Uh, last race ever at, well, can't say ever, uh, but last race at Belle Isle as that will move to downtown Detroit in 2023. And that was won by, again, uh, fellow Pinsky Will Power. And then Pinsky backs it up again with Joseph Newgarden winning his third race of the year, uh, the Grand Prix of Road America. So what a uh, what a first half, not only uh, to say for Team Pinsky, uh, but for uh, Joseph Newgarden, who has racked up three wins already in this first half of the year, and then also has taken home, as we touched on last week, a cool $1 million for winning on a oval, winning on a street course, and winning on a road course as well. So congratulations to him. Uh, looking forward to um, uh, to the second half of the year, like I said, uh, they open up, the IndyCar drivers open up that second half of the year uh, next weekend, uh, the Honda Indy 200 at Mid-Ohio. And then what a uh, calendar. Um, uh, tough calendar coming up for the uh, the IndyCar series. Uh, following Mid Ohio, uh, we go across the border north uh, to uh, Toronto for the uh, uh, Honda Indy uh, Honda Indy race. I guess that's what that is. Honda Indy race on July seventeenth. And then uh, the following weekend, everybody's looking forward to this. Uh, a lot of testing uh, this week as, as well, which will um, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, as the uh, as the show unfolds, uh, but um, Iowa, there is a double weekend race back at the Iowa Speedway. If you believe that or not, you have the HyveyDeals.com two fifty on on Saturday, and then on Sunday to round out the weekend, you have the Hyvee Salute to Farmers uh, three hundred there as well. And then following the double weekend. At uh, at Iowa, uh, the uh, the IndyCar series comes back to the road course here at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Gallagher Grand Prix, uh, which rounds out the month of July on Saturday, July thirtieth, and then going into the uh, the month of August, the calendar of August, uh, starting out a big weekend down in Nashville, down in Music City, uh, for the Big Machine Music City Grand Prix in downtown Nashville. Um, highly suggest you go and, and check that out yourself if you are within driving distance. And then uh, a little bit of a break uh, between between weekends. Uh, the series kicks back up uh, August 20th at um, uh, Bermuda Automotive Group 500. And then uh, two more races after that will round out the 2022 season. Uh, first, on uh, September 4th, the Grand Prix of Portland. And then uh, to to finish the 2022 IndyCar season, uh, you have the Firestone Grand Prix of uh, Montera. So, what a uh, what a remaining schedule that um, that the IndyCar has left uh, here. Like I said, we are at the uh, the midway point, and um, 
a lot of intrigue, uh, a lot of interesting storylines, I think, coming out of um, uh, the first half of the year. First, you had, like I said, uh, Team Penske, uh, Chevrolet uh, jumping right out of the gates and and winning the first uh, the first three races there with uh, with Scott McLaughlin and two with uh, with Joseph Newgarden. And I think the way the way this schedule sets up um and hopefully Tim's able to join us here in the next few minutes because I would love to get uh, his take on this. Uh, but I think the way the schedule sets up, uh, it sets up well for, uh, for Joseph Newgarden, uh, the remaining tracks. He is very dominant at the remaining tracks uh, that uh, the uh, IndyCar series has yet or will return to. Uh, so he's definitely going to be one, I think, to, uh, to keep an eye on. As, uh, as this second half, as they get the second half uh, kicked off next weekend, uh, definitely a uh, title contender to, uh, to say the least. Uh, but there are, there is some news, uh, even though uh, the, like I said, the IndyCar series has been on this, uh, this hiatus here the last few days, uh, a few pieces of, of news to, uh, to push along uh, first um, has to do actually more with, uh, with Indy lights uh, in, in 2023, uh, it was announced this week that Firestone uh, is going to be the exclusive tire supplier uh, to the Indy Lights in 2023. Uh, as part of the grand opening of Firestone's Advanced Tire Production Center in, in uh, the great state of Ohio, Akron, Ohio, to be exact, uh, IndyCar and Firestone officials uh, announced plans for Firestone to become the sole tire supplier for Indy Lights beginning in 2023. The announcement highlights Firestone's plans uh, to expand its partnership with IndyCar, as the company is also the exclusive tire supplier for the NTT IndyCar Series, uh, North America's premier open open wheel series uh quote firestone continues to be a phenomenal partner said indycar president jay fry we are proud to see that our relationship is expanding into supplying tires for both of our series their attention to detail safety and performance is unmatched supplying their world-class product to the ntt indycar series and indy lights reflects firestone's commitment to indycar's present and future uh don't forget the move will mark a return for firestone to indycar's developmental series as the bridgestone brands firestone and dayton supplied tires for indy lights if you recall from 1991 to 92 rather 2013 uh, some more quotes here, quote, uh, we'll look forward to expanding our partnership with IndyCar to supply tires for Indy Lights starting in 2023, said Lisa Boggs, director of motorsports Bridgestone Americas. We know the importance this series has for technology ad advancement and driver development and are proud to be part of the journey. In the fall of 2021, IndyCar assumed total control of Indy Lights operations. The 2022 season began a more exclusive atmosphere with the NTT IndyCar series with inter integration in marketing, digital assets, and race officiating. Quote, we want to thank Cooper Tires, who has been a partner with Indy Lights since 2014, said Indy Lights director Levi Jones. 
Their assistance while IndyCar assumed operational control was crucial to our success. With Firestone, we cannot wait to begin this new era, which will align the entire IndyCar paddock and help our rising stars reach their goal of competing one day in the IndyCar series. Uh, reminder, the 2022 Indy Lights Championship continues Sunday, July 13th, as at the aforementioned uh, Mid-Ohio Sports Car Course. Uh, coverage of that race begins at 10.35 a.m. Eastern Time, and you can find that on Peacock Premium. Uh, also, coverage is available from the IndyCar Radio Network with the audio via the IndyCar, IndyCar app powered by NT data so don't uh, don't forget that as well and, and like i said we did have um we did have we did have some testing going on this week uh as uh, like i said this has been a couple weeks off uh for uh for the indycar series uh since their brutal uh, brutal may and beginning of june we did have some testing uh this past monday that uh, actually took place at uh, at Iowa Speedway, and again, that is where IndyCar will pick things back up uh, next weekend. And surprisingly enough, and I know this probably doesn't come as a surprise to many, Joseph Newgarden was the fastest uh, car at the Iowa testing site uh, this past Monday. Nineteen NTT IndyCar Series car drivers, rather, were in action at the. Eight or at the 0.875 mile Iowa Oval. And at and the times set in the morning and afternoon, the Team Pinsky trio of cars, Joseph Newgarden, Will Power, and Scott McLaughlin, topped the field in preparation for the next month's doubleheader race weekend. Along with Team Pinsky, other teams that tested were AJ Foyt Racing, Errol McLaren SP, Chip Ganassi Racing, Dale Coyne Racing, Meyer Shank Racing, and Ray Hall Letterman Racing. Drivers were kept busy with the toasty temperatures that crept past 90 degrees and with power, willpower that is, leading the group with 282 laps turned. And thankfully, no accidents took place. Quote, first time at Iowa, so for me, it was, a le it was learning what the tire degradation does and what the car does over long runs, McLaughlin said. I had an idea that the car would act like it would at Gateway, but it's just a different beast. Certainly makes it different to try and tame this track, and I learned a ton off of my teammates. Uh, Joseph, at a lunch break, gave me a lot of tips, and I put some of them to use in the afternoon and made some time. Uh, McLaughlin, too, was blown away by the high sustained speeds uh, at the Iowa Speedway, and the uh, short-timed laps. Quote, it's sick. It's it's like a video game. It's awesome, he said. Big focus for me was figuring out the difference between old and new tires. As being out there on old tires while other guys were out on new tire runs and me still having to make speed was the main thing to learn. Super fun track. It was great to run the second groove too. And I have to, and I have to learn lane diversity 
Iowa's right up my alley. So here are some of the uh, unofficial times, obviously, uh, at testing uh, for Iowa this or testing at Iowa rather uh, this past Monday. Uh, Joseph Newgarden, his quickest lap, eighteen point three seven seconds. Will Power, uh, 18.52 seconds. Scott McLaughlin, 18.53 seconds. Takuma, Sa- Takuma Sato, rather, uh, 18.59 seconds. Christian Lungard, uh 18.7 seconds. Uh, Pato Award, 18.81 seconds. Marcus Erickson, 18.83 seconds. Graham Rahal, 18.84 seconds. Elio Castroneves, 18.86 seconds. Uh, Scott Dixon, 18.87 seconds. Jack Harvey, 18.89 seconds. So you can see how close these lap times are. Uh, David Malukas, 18.89 seconds. Jimmy Johnson, 19.04 seconds. Alex Pillow again, 19.04 seconds. Uh, Simon Pagano, 19.7 seconds. Callum Eilat, 19.2 seconds. Felix Rosenquist, 19.2 seconds. Kyle Kirkwood, uh, 19.3 seconds. And rounding out the drivers who tested at Iowa this past Monday, Dalton Kellett, 19.5 seconds. So those are your uh, quickest laps there at, uh, at the testing on Monday for the Iowa race coming up this next weekend so it doesn't look like (laughs) that uh, tim is going to uh to be able to uh uh, to join us so i'm gonna look and see if there's any more news uh, that needs to uh, be covered here as as usually we do this uh, about a about an hour long uh podcast uh but unfortunately uh you know attempting to get guests uh this week just didn't uh didn't fall into uh, into the cards uh so to say so i'm gonna look on uh, indie indycar.com uh, to see if there are uh any any news that um that we haven't went over uh yet with the uh the announcement of the new tires obviously uh with uh, with firestone uh, a few days ago and then you have the uh, the testing um, that uh, took place this week as well. Uh, I guess, like I said, like I opened up the show, uh, I know we're in the midway point we're at rather uh, the midway point of the 2022 season. And it's interesting when you think about it, you know, the, the question is going into, you know, 2022, obviously the, the second half uh, of 2022, uh, what driver, or drivers for that matter, uh, do you think would, uh, would need a strong finish, uh, to, uh, to the year and to build a little bit of momentum, uh, going into, uh, to 2023. And, and I think a couple names, uh, come to mind uh, to me, if I was asked that question, uh, first, I think, I, I think the obvious answer would be Felix Rosenquist. Uh, obviously there was news coming out, uh, coming out today, um, let me see if I can find um, if, if there was a press release uh, sent out by uh, by Arrow McLaren. Uh, it was announced today that uh, um, Arrow McLaren and and Felix Rosenquist are going to uh, continue their their partnership. 
uh, into 2023. Um, it's not known yet at this time as to where what series uh, Felix is going to uh, to be driving in. But let me go back through. I know it was posted on their uh, their Facebook page earlier today, and uh, and I put it out on the push to pass. Um, uh, Facebook page here. Here it is. Here is the uh, the announcement, the official announcement for uh, for Arrow McLaren and Felix Rosenquist um, going into 2023. Uh, Felix Rosenquist to remain with Air with McLaren Racing from 2023. Uh, McLaren Racing has signed a multi multi year deal with Felix Rosenquist to remain on the team's driver roster from 2023 and beyond. Uh, McLaren Racing is currently in the process of evaluating its driver lineups for 2023 with the fo new formed McLaren Formula E team set to embark on its debut season in the all-electric racing series and plans to expand Aero McLaren SP into a three-car team with Felix set to be driving in one of the two series. Felix from Sweden joined Aero McLaren SP in the NTT IndyCar series in 2021. Since joining the series in 2019, when he was named Rookie of the Year, Felix has secured three podiums and two pole positions. Felix recently finished the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500 in an impressive fourth place and currently occupies a spot in the top 10 among a competitive drivers championship. Rosenquist's racing career also includes a stint in Formula E, so he does have a little bit of experience there, having raced in the series for three seasons from 2016 to 2019, winning three races, securing six pole positions and seven podiums. The full Aero McLaren SP and McLaren Formula E 2023 driver lineups will be confirmed in due course. Uh, this is a quote from Felix Rosenquist. I'm delighted to be remaining with McLaren for 2023 and beyond. With the team expanding into Formula E next season, it provides additional opportunities for me both in the USA and Europe, and I look forward to being in a position to announce my plans in the coming weeks. I've loved my time with Aero McLaren SP, team in, Indi in IndyCar, driving the number seven car, and we've had some great memories together, including securing pole earlier this year in Texas and coming home P4 in the Indy 500. I'm excited and grateful to be given this opportunity to explore the new options available to utilize my experience to help McLaren to start 2023 on the strongest possible footing. And then a quote here from CEO of McLaren Racing, Zach Brown. I'm delighted to can be continuing our relationship with Felix. He's a fantastic racer with a lot of experience in many different types of racing cars. As a proven race winner in both categories, it was important for us to secure his talent within the McLaren Racing family as we work to finalize our plans for 2023. His experience in Formula E would be invaluable as we head into the exciting new era of racing for McLaren Racing, but he would also make a fantastic contributor to our IndyCar team. 
I look forward to working together with him to finalize the best opportunity for him next season. So big news, I think, coming out of the uh, Arrow McLaren camp, um, as it's been rumored for quite some time, uh, that they want to add another car uh, to their stable in, in 2023. Uh, will it be Felix Rosenquist or uh, will he be joining uh, McLaren racing in the new uh, team form there in, uh, in formula E uh, it remains to be seen. Uh, but uh, congratulations to Felix to being able to uh, lock down what he's going to be doing uh, from 2023 beyond. Um, I would love to see him stay in, in the number seven car uh, in IndyCar. Uh, but uh, I know he has a background in in Formula E, so if he thinks that's the best opportunity uh, for him, then uh, obviously uh, Felix, you uh, you go do what uh, what you think is is best. Uh, but definitely, definitely glad to see uh, Felix Rosenquist back in the fold uh, for Arrow McLaren uh, going into 2023. Uh, but getting back uh, to talking a little bit about uh, Felix Rosenquist, uh, I think he and, and another driver, and, and I'll talk about that other driver here shortly, um, are, the second half of 2022 I, I think are going to be huge for them, uh, not only finishing the season on a strong note, um, but uh, finishing the season and having that momentum going into the offseason, going into uh, to 2023. First, obviously, uh, Felix Rosenquist, uh, as we talked about, it was announced today he's re-signed uh, for 2023. Uh, but like I said, uh, he didn't name, nor did uh, Zach Brown, uh, if he'll be driving for the NTT IndyCar Series or if he'll be in their uh, Formula E uh, outfit. But you do have to give it to uh, Felix Rosenquist the last five weeks. Um, he has been a, a consistent finisher uh, with uh, four consecutive top ten finishes. And then uh, what a uh, awesome run uh, that he had at the Indianapolis 500 uh, finishing fourth. So you look at the current standings, uh, Felix Rosenquist sits eighth. Um, and uh, I haven't had the opportunity uh, to have an interview uh, with him with him yet, but uh, the um, a reputation he has around the paddock is uh, just uh, off the charts, super nice guy, and uh, he definitely has earned the respect of his uh, fellow drivers and peers, uh, especially one uh, Scott Dixon, uh, who he drove and was teammates with from 2019 to 2020. Uh, a little more on, uh, on on Felix Rosenquist here, um, but he, he's going to be, like I said, if he does choose, think about this for a minute, if he does choose to stay at, in the number, the, the number seven car next year, and and doesn't head back to uh, to Formula E, which it does sound like he may do that. And uh, we'll we'll pick up the uh, discussion here on uh, Felix Rosenquist uh, a little later because uh, I was afraid that this gentleman would be so busy with what he does that he'd be able to join us. It was a sporadic conversation to have, but uh, so glad that uh, Tim May. Uh, is able to uh, to join us here on on push to pass tim i have to say first and foremost something i haven't told you in the in the conversations that we've had i never oh, I, is I it never, gonna make me cry no, no okay what i make you what i make you cry <laughs> no i i would never have guessed 
that sitting at home in Northwest Ohio, reading your work you did in the Buckeye Sports Bulletin, that now I'm going to be interviewing you. I would have never guessed that. Well, I've never worked for the Buckeye Sports Bulletin, but you're close. LettermanRoad.com. And then uh, before that, of course, the Columbus Dispatch. But, uh, you know, uh, let's get on with it, man. Uh, I don't know what kind of questions or what kind of insights you're looking for from me, but I will try to provide it. Well, I've just been, we've, I've started with uh, re- recapping the, the first half of the season. What a roller coaster I think it's been. You had uh, Team Penske uh, right out of the gates, um, the first three wins. Um, you know, who's been, who's been tougher than, than Joseph Newgarden yeah. uh, in the first half of the year as well. Uh, points championship has bounced back and forth as well. Um, I know you've been there for the, for the ride so far. Uh, what is your take? What have you seen from the first half of the year? My take is, is that, uh, this ought to be a, it is so close to Joseph Newgarden just running away with everything. I mean, you know, and I, I'm just thinking about the strategy that 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 hurt him in, uh, for example, in Detroit, uh, or you know what a run he would have had. But uh, uh, the, to me, it looks like Joseph Newgarden's uh, Newgarden's championship to lose, no matter what the points say at the moment. It definitely seems like uh, the second half of the year, especially the tracks that uh, he and the rest of the competitors are going to go to, it sets up perfectly for him. Oh yeah, absolutely, and. Uh, that includes mid Ohio, of course. Uh, I mean, I think he's going to be very tough there, for example, but, uh, you're right. I mean, um, you know, uh, Pinsky just didn't have the magic at, at Indianapolis for a second straight year. I'm talking about in the Indianapolis motor speedway oval, of course, not will powers, a uh, gym on the uh, road course, but, uh, I'm just, I'm just curious to see, uh, what's going to happen here as this season goes on from the standpoint of, I think they've got a, a pretty good combination from the standpoint of a, a road course setup and a, a street course setup. So, you know, like you say, though, one, one strategy change, one raindrop here, uh, et cetera, can change everything. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And on the flip side of this coin, uh, you know, we, we talked about the people that the drivers that had a, a amazing uh, first half. And obviously we have to talk about the ones that, that we thought would come out of the gates a little stronger. And I think one name that that rises to me um, is is Colton Herta. Yeah, you know it, it's hard to put your finger. I don't know how to explain it. I forgot the driver who said this. It might have been at Detroit. It might it might have even been Joseph Newgarden. But it like there's a new superstar every week. It seems like in this series, it pops up, and everybody's proclaiming this to be the next great you know the next great driver. And uh, Colton Hurd has kind of been that guy. There's no doubt about his uh, about his talent, and I, you know we'll see where it goes from the standpoint of his shot at a Formula One career. But there are quite a few guys that are getting it done right now, and you know, and you're you're one mistake from going from first place to tenth uh, place in this series on any given Sunday. And uh, but but Colton Hurd is a guy that clearly is a uh, you know has intrigued a lot of people. You know, I'd like to see a few more really big-time results out of him before you proclaim him the next absolute great driver, but he's definitely in the conversation. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. And you think about the the handful of races that that Colton has either had the lead late or he's had the best car, 
and he he just he can't he can't be that closer. You know, they yeah. talk about uh, Kevin Harvick being the closer in NASCAR, and he just seems like something issue or he he loses it in a turn. I can think of Nashville, for example, last year where he had a great car and. You, you've seen the outcome there, and then he's had that this year as well. He just can't close. Yeah. Well, he's he's close sometimes, but you're right. I mean, the Nashville thing was a classic, just a classic mistake. You know, and, he, and the great thing about it is uh, he owned it, you know. Uh, but you're right. I mean, you know, I think, I think the word we're looking for there is consistently great, you know. Or maybe that's two words, right? <laughs> but you're looking for him to be m- more consistent. Uh, and, uh, you know, and some of that could, you know, I think the Andretti Autosport team has been hot and cold, obviously, this year. And I think that might uh, be part of his problem, maybe sometimes even carrying the car on occasion. But, uh, you know, there's still some great racing le- left left to be done here in this season. And he's definitely a guy you got to keep your eye on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think somebody else that uh, I don't know if it's just – you know, I don't know if it's age is catching up with him because, you know, you know, you know, just as well as I do, you cannot run father time, but Scott Dixon, I think is somebody that has been in the hunt year after year, but now he's been awfully quiet this year. Well, he was pretty damn loud. The first uh, 180 laps or whatever it was of the Indianapolis 500 starting on the pole. And then, and then basically dominating that race until of course, uh, Wow, just makes a big mistake. Still isn't clear whether maybe something malfunctioned with his car coming into the pits. But what wasn't debated was the fact that he was caught speeding. And whether it's a mile an hour or 10 miles an hour, the penalty is the same. And we'd be talking totally differently about him right now in this season if he had continued uh, to finish that race and the way he dominated. But it's really interesting because I got to talk to Marcus Erickson today ahead of the Ohio, the uh, Ohio State, ahead of the mid-Ohio race that's coming up here shortly. And, uh, you know, I think Marcus Erickson and uh, Scott Dixon had the two best cars in that race, uh, and they both came to the fore uh, kind of – I mean, Erickson was kind of like laying in the weeds. Obviously, Dixon was in control of the situation, but it looked like uh, Erickson had at least as good a car, if not better, when it mattered the most. And – like I was talking to him about, man, it it is wow, what what a great feeling it must you you must have deep in your gut when there's uh so many laps left in Indianapolis 500 and you know you've got the you've got by just maybe a hook or crook the fastest car and uh, but uh, yeah, Dixon, I mean I'm uh, he's I'm not sure it's age, man. I mean, like we just talked a while a while ago, this this series now these cars they've had these cars for so long, everybody's got such a great grip on the on these cars from the standpoint of most people do at least what makes them fast what makes them go fast uh engine wise the engines look almost like a push yeah you can make an argument for chevy here and uh and uh, honda there but just one minor mistake in the pits one minor deep braking situation that takes you off track and suddenly you know you go from uh uh uh, hero to zero in a heartbeat, and uh, I think I think it's really hard to really get a true feel for who is in control at this point in this year. But the guy that's closest to it by far, in my opinion, is Joseph Newgard. Oh, absolutely, and I and I think the results 
uh, speak for themselves. Uh, you know, three wins, uh, two in a row. Um, you know, he's seen the uh, you know a couple weeks ago at Road America, he wins the the cool uh, one million. But I, yeah. I think you're absolutely right that uh, if there's somebody that has a grip so far, he may not be the leader in points yet. But I think it's absolutely I think you're absolutely right that it is uh, Joseph Newgarden. Um, what is one of the the rookies, Tim, that uh, that have uh, stood out to you uh, in this class in in 2022? I don't know. I was thinking about I was thinking about that very thing uh, earlier, only because uh, sometimes I forget who's a rookie and who isn't. You know what I'm saying? But the uh, I'm trying to remember if the uh, what's the, how do you pronounce his name? Callum uh, Callum Eilat. I like that guy a lot. You know, I'm not, I'm not sure he always gets the best support, uh, but I think he's pretty damn good. But that, that guy, I mean, I've, you know, uh, veteran drivers have talked about him uh, in the sense of they think he is very talented. You know, he, he, he shows up, he's got a better resume than, than, you know, most people think it looks like he snuck up on people, but uh, I don't know that guy, in my opinion uh, is interesting. I've got my eye on him uh, for the future for sure. Yeah, I had the opportunity to uh, to interview him at the, uh, the during the month of May, and I think you're absolutely right. And and the work that he is doing, you know, let, let's put this into perspective: the work that he is doing on the track with only one car. You know, you look at some of these right. other teams that have multiple cars, and he's doing this with just one car, gathering one set of data. So I, I think kudos to uh, to Callum Eilat and, and the job that he's doing. Uh, another rookie that that I like really well, um, and you may disagree, is the job that uh, David Malukas has done the first half of the year. Oh yeah, you know, and it's it, it to me it's interesting because I was I was literally talking to Marcus Erickson about this very thing. Uh, 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 is this series what's so cool about it is it is big time. It is major league. But almost everybody's got the same baseball and bat. You know what I mean? The same uh, puck and stick. And like I said, some teams have honed that stick a, a, a lot better than the others have. But still, the end of the day, you've got a piece of equipment that you can hustle a little bit, you know, and uh, and be in the running and show uh, and, and show what you're about. And Lucas, I mean, obviously, is that kind of guy. I mean, I know there was some conjecture about rookie of the year at Indianapolis for the Indianapolis 500. I had no problem with Jimmy Johnson being the rookie of the year uh, because he had a he had a pretty damn good month there. Yeah, in the race, he faded most of the time. That's not the driver's fault. A car you just don't get a grip on, and just uh, and everybody else is getting a grip on theirs. But but Malukas is definitely a guy. It was quite deserving also, but uh, I'm not going to put down Jimmy Jimmy Johnson's effort. And uh, Rookie of the Year is about a lot more than just how you finish in the race, in my opinion, because anything can happen on race day, as you well know. And uh, But Malukas is definitely, like I said, dude, there's talent up and down the, up and down the roster now. I mean, there's, there's no let up. It's not like the old days back in the 80s when I first started covering this and you had – kind of like three levels of cars. Now, everybody's not running up front. Some guys are getting lapped, blah, blah, blah. But uh, back in that, back in, back in the good old days, you had the front runners. You had those guys that ran in the middle. 
And then you had the guys that were in the back that had no chance of winning. And uh, now on any given qualifying situation, uh, you can be in the fast six, you know, you can be in the, whatever they call it, the Firestone fast six. And, and, uh, and then the next week you can not get out of the, uh, the first round of qualifying that's, and, and we're talking about veterans and rookies alike. So that's what you're dealing with. But I like Malukas. I mean, I think you can see uh, he and I, I mean, have talent. It's just a matter of, uh, like you said, getting the breaks and putting it all together. Yeah. And this rookie class, actually, Tim, as a whole, um, I, I don't, you know, I think there's talent up and down it. Um, it's just a matter of, like you said, you know, the car hitting right or the setup hitting right. But up and down this rookie class, um, I, I think there's talent, and I think um, you know you have. Well, even, Kirk, go ahead. I'm sorry. Kirk even, was, I mean, even yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. That's another one, and uh, I know she's been out of out of action for a while. But the drive that Simona De Silvestro had at Road America, with what she has to work with with uh, Parrot uh, Motorsports, uh, give her kudos there as well. Well, no, she's talented. I mean, she's obviously not a rookie, uh, but probably qualifies as being one from being out of the out of the seat for for so long but uh i've always liked her i always thought uh that she had the ability just get her into something that she can definitely compete in which i'm not sure yet that's happened <laughs> that's not casting any aspersions but yeah uh you know i'm i'm i'm, I'm sitting there at indy uh, this year as a matter of fact and you know how you reflect on things sometimes and and i'm just going man i've I saw uh, uh, Danica Patrick come to the place. I saw Sarah come to the place and a few other females. And yet there they were in 160 and up as 500, you know, and there were no, uh, you know, it, I, I'm, I'm just wondering why you can't, why someone can't come along that just, that can, that can have staying power uh, in, a, in, a, in a decent piece of equipment. And the same goes for African-American drivers. You know, you just, you've seen, you know, Willie T come along and et cetera, but just no one with staying power. And it's kind of an interesting, still an interesting uh, club to get into. It looks like. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, and that's something that, that I've never thought about, but, but I think you're absolutely right as to, you know, why is it that it's just certain groups that have staying power um, that, uh, you know, can find consistent rides and, and things of that nature. I think you're well, absolutely right. Yeah. And it's not, it's not just, you know, uh, I'm not casting aspersions in that regard because, like you just said, the rookies we were just talking about, including Kyle Kirkwood, I like that guy a lot, man. And, uh, and like I said, it's the machine you get into. And as much as I made a point a while ago about uh, these machines have been around for so long that most of them have been honed to a pretty fine edge, there are still some that are playing catch-up in that regard or still haven't gotten it to the point uh, – you know, for example, the Penske team has, or the Ganassi team has, and uh, and you just it's really funny. I, I remember uh, there was a driver from the Columbus area named Ed Pym way back when, back in the '80s, and uh, he drove for Dan Gurney's team, All American Racers, and that team never really, really came up with a car that was super competitive. And I remember him saying to me one time, he goes, "You know, I'd like to drive." I'd like to drive a Penske car just for a weekend just to find out, you know, is it me or is it the car? You know, and I think a lot of guys yearn for that. But uh, like we were talking about a while ago, as competitive as it is this year, Alex Pillow, 
has been fairly unspectacular. And yet, you know, Alex below is damn good, you know, riding that championship. Uh, Pato Award. I mean, there's how do you not like that guy, you know? And, uh, but from week to week to put together those consistent uh, performances has been tough for, for them and their teams. Well, and you talk about the performance this year of the reigning champion, uh, Alex Pillow. Uh, somebody that I think has fell, on, fell off the radar, Renus VK. Yeah. You know, he seems to be a victim, and this is just almost from the outside looking in. He seems to be a victim of almost trying too hard. I mean, for one of another way of putting it, uh, I think he's quick, but boy, it's just that, you know, this, this racing is so uh, punitive when you make one little mistake and, uh, or just one little lapse or just one little impulsive move as opposed to a, uh, for one, you know, a, a planned move and it can really bite you. And I think he's been the victim of that as much as anything, but uh, I don't think there's any doubt that that guy can drive fast. Yeah, he, he absolutely can. And I, and I think you're, you're spot on that. It's, it's one thing that comes up to bite him. Is it because he, he's trying too hard? You know, he, he's not going to admit that. Um, but, but I think you're absolutely right that uh, it's, it's one thing after another that's coming up to bite him. You know, is it, is it because like you said, he's trying too hard. You know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, uh, but, yeah, that may not be what it is. You know, no. like you said, it will it will play out over time. But but I'm but he's still way young enough uh, to give him the benefit of the doubt because uh, you know it's like it's like a thoroughbred. You can you can slow one down, but it's really hard to speed one up. You know, <laughs> and yeah, I, think yeah. I think he's a guy. If anything, they maybe needs to slow down a little bit for one of a another uh, way of putting it but uh but we'll see but you know it, it's hard for for racers that have that mentality that you know that they they want to go 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 but then you want to tell them you know slow down i, I just it, it, it's hard to it, it's hard to reverse that i guess yeah, yeah. um that's, that's a good way of putting it hey you know i don't know i've only got a little bit of time left but i wanted to say too you're talking want to go about age and stuff man uh uh, the guy that's impressed me, and maybe you're coming to him, but uh, I think Will Power, in many respects, is as good as he's ever been. And then he is like fine wine. He has aged incredibly well. And uh, I'm really curious to see what he does the, the back half of this schedule because, uh, you know, that drive he had, I told him uh, that drive he had at Detroit was just vintage. I don't mean to keep using the uh, the wine vernacular, though, but uh, uh, it was vintage, uh, maybe as good a drive as he's ever done from the standpoint of keeping his wits about him, uh, being patient, uh, climbing through the field, and then basically at the end, not letting anybody pass him, which is the essence of a race car driver. You know, obviously, Alexander Rossi was closing on him, but that doesn't mean he was going to pass him because – Will was just trying to get that car to the end of the race. He still had a lot left in that car, but uh, you know the way he performed, getting the pole at, on the uh, on the street on the road course at Indy, uh, he was able to summon that lap, you know, and uh, like the good old days. And boy, when he's got the bit between his teeth, he's still a sight to behold, in my opinion. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. When 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 Will and the car are dialed in and they're two in the same. 
uh, it's him against the rest of the field. I I think you're absolutely right. And and you talk about the driving that he did at Detroit. Um, The the one segment that sticks out in my mind uh, was the last 20 laps when he had to go to Reds. Uh, Everybody knew that the Reds were being torn to pieces, and he had to drive his tail off uh, to uh, hold off a hard-charging Alexander Rossi. Actually, and, actually, he was trying not to drive his tail off, so he wouldn't yeah. try to keep his tail under him, yeah. so he wouldn't be sliding. So, it would, like he said, his what he was trying to do more than anything else was drive that car as straight as he could. Yeah. And of course, he was on a road course or a street course. But no, I, I, I got your, I got your call there. But you're, you're exactly right. All right, last question, Tim. Like I said, I know your your time is valuable. Um, Looking ahead to the second half of the year, I know we talked about Joseph Newgarden. I mean, that that's kind of the obvious there. Um, what drivers, in your opinion, your eyes, uh, you see that are in the within the top ten in points? Um, I know with that being so close as well, uh, that to uh, that could be a thorn in the side of a, of the top three, like uh, uh, Marcus Erickson, like Will Power, like Joseph Newgarden. Well, I don't have the top ten in front of me here, but. Uh... I'll tell you a team that I'm interested in is from right down the well, it's 25 miles away from where I live here, but right down the road, the way I call it is uh, I'm really curious to see what happens with the Meyer shank team uh, down the road, because there are a couple of street courses coming up where I think they can be pretty good, uh, but they've been not very good on the road courses. And, you know, you're talking about a couple of, talk about a couple of veteran drivers there with Elio and Simon Pagino. I think Simon Pagano, uh, 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 I think he might be due. I mean, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but there's a guy that, me, in my opinion, can be a spoiler at, w- at one of these tracks. And it could be in Toronto because, you know, they're going back to Toronto after a long hiatus. Uh, we'll see how that goes. But uh, And then, of course, Nashville, because they definitely have a really good uh, street setup, it looks like. And then past that, you know, I'm just bringing this guy up because I know he's frustrated right now. Is uh, Graham Rahal, and he's a he's a guy that a lot of people are throwing darts at uh, now, and I think it's very unfortunate because if you really study that three car team uh, of two youngsters, well, heck, you know, Graham's still a youngster, <laughs> but uh, uh, but with Jack Harvey and uh, Lundgaard, you know, for the most part. Uh, Graham is carrying the water for that team. Yeah, they've had uh, Lungar's had a couple of interesting moments uh, this year, but not consistent at all. But they they've clearly had some troubles uh, in the engineering side of things. It does appear, you know, for example, Meyer the Meyer Shank team still I think benefits from a cooperation at least with the Andretti Autosport team from an engineering standpoint or setup, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the uh, the uh, Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan team has not found that those ideal setups this year is pretty obvious in qualifying, but several times with, with Detroit accepted several times, uh, Graham has just carried that car to the front or toward the front. Let's put it that way. And I'm really curious to see what happens with him this second half of the year. Yeah. You bring up an interesting name that, that I wasn't thinking about in, in Graham Ray Hall. I, I absolutely love the guy being a, being an Ohio guy. I absolutely, I absolutely love him, but I, I thought he said something interesting that you brought up talking about not lacking. They're lacking in the engineer department. 
Uh, I, I'm wondering if maybe that uh, kind of sounds the alarm or kind of kicks the uh, backside of uh, of Ray Hall, uh, Lanigan Racing to uh, to kind of up their game a little bit when it comes to the engineering department. Uh, yeah, the we'll, last- we'll see, we'll see. But you know, he had that he had that uh, pretty uh, uh, cryptic quote after the uh, Indy 500. You know, I ran it. I mean, I, I had video of it and posted it on my site. But uh, about it was appalling. Now that. Uh, the performance they had at Indianapolis, you know, I think he finished 14th and uh, uh, just, they're not, you know, he wasn't happy and he was kind of like he said, not going to in essence uh, hide that anymore. And of course, like we were just talking about a while ago about young drivers, right. And what kind of equipment you're in and you can look like a uh, hero or a zero. Uh, it can be your fault and it can be your car's fault, but bottom line is nobody cares they want to see results, right? And just like you and I. Yep, that that's the name in the game, I think, at the end of the day, uh, results. Um, By the way, I the, think Pelot is going to be a spoiler uh, the last half of the year when you were asking me about spoilers or guys that could really step up. Uh, you know, I think Pato has another win or two in his uh, in his arsenal there. We'll see. Uh, but those are, you know, I know where they are in the points, but my point is I think those guys could, really come to the fore here the last half. Yeah, you, you kind of stole my thunder there with, with Pato Award. No, uh, no. I like him a um, lot. I just I just like him a lot. I think he's extremely talented. You can watch him the way he handles the car and see how talented he is. I mean, that restart uh, a year ago at Detroit, like I asked him, I said, a lot of people were wondering how you kept your tires warm or how you warmed your tires up, whatever. I said, what was your secret there? And he said, Fast hands. <laughs> so, and I don't think anybody doubts that now. Matter of fact, a lot of the drivers now have picked up on that and used that same kind of uh, a description of the way he drives. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Pato Award is somebody that that I feel can uh, uh, spoil in uh, the second half of the year and uh, make a run towards the championship uh, towards the end of the year. And then two other ones that I have. Uh, another car that comes from that Arrow McLaren stable um, is uh, Felix Rosenquist. The way he's finishing consistently as of late, and then the news today where he knows where he's going to be in 2023 and beyond. Um, I-, I think Felix Rosenquist is somebody to watch out for. And then you, c- you can't go wrong with uh, Alexander Rossi. The way he has been in the zone as of late, uh, wanting to finish on a high note for Andretti Autosports going into 2023. Those three award Rossi and, and Rosenquist. I have my eye on uh, in the second half of the year. Yeah, Rosenquist, man, he kind of reminds me of Botas, uh, you know, over in Formula One. Uh, just kind of quietly goes about kind of doing his thing, but he hasn't been super spectacular yet, you know. And I, I think he has shown, like you've said, uh, signs of being of being capable of doing things. He's had a little bit of bad luck, obviously, uh, along the way and stuff. Rossi, I don't know. It's just, just interesting. He gets, he gets a lot of run and I think justifiably so, but like you said, he just hadn't had the results to, to really back it up, uh, for the last, uh, you know, God knows how long. And, uh, uh, there's no doubt about his talent. There's no doubt about watching him climb from the from the back of the field sometimes is some of the most spectacular stuff you're ever going to see. But, you know, finally you got to win some of these, win a race or two. And, uh, you know, who, who knows? Middle Ohio might be that spot for him. 
yeah, he he definitely has that uh, that monkey on his back that uh, he definitely needs to uh, win a race to uh, to get rid of that. Uh, and uh, I think he's going to be right up there. Hey, we uh, named towards- almost everybody in the series, you know, except maybe Roman Grosjean. What do you think? <laughs> I think I think you're abs- I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I can't never thought about that, but yeah, you're well, absolutely I mean, right. You know, uh, it's just interesting. Marcus Erickson is the other Formula, you know, the Formula One guy who came and has sort of reclaimed his career. Uh, Roman Grosjean obviously came in like a like a comet, uh, but uh, there's another guy you expect maybe a little more consistency or better things from. We'll see what happens the last half of the season. Yeah, I think it'll be obviously exciting to uh, to say the least. Uh, Tim, again, I want to say a huge thank you for taking some time out of your busy schedule. I know uh, Ryan Day and, and the recruits he's pulling in have to be making you keeping you busy uh, as of late. Um, also, I want to give you huge props to listen to your interview the other day with uh, Johnny Dixon. Absolutely loved, uh, loved Johnny D when he was uh, here at Ohio State. Uh, you did a tremendous job on that. Uh, for people that don't already follow you on social media, and shame on you, if they, shame on them rather if they don't. Uh, where can they find you at? Well, on Twitter, I'm Tim under underscore May Sports, all one word. May Sports, all one word. And uh, I've got a YouTube channel uh, that I post from time to time, uh, mainly stuff about auto racing, mainly stuff about IndyCar. Uh, and then of course I've got my podcast, which is through lettermanrow.com, uh, which is primarily about college football. And then past that, uh, a lot of emphasis on Ohio state football, as you well know. And by the way, Johnny Dixon, he's one of my favorite players ever at Ohio state. And I gave him the nickname, the Johnny lightning special, uh, a long time ago. Kind of like where my worlds collide. You see what I'm saying? But, yeah, uh, abs- yep, absolutely. I would love to one day sit down and talk Ohio State football with you. I, I, well, we can I, do that. But uh, yeah, by the way, you saw where Cade Stover was named, uh, was been named the Grand Marshal for the uh, IndyCar race at Mid Ohio here coming up. Shortly. I did. I did so, see that earlier today. I seen that. Uh, seen grew that up in that area, person. you know, farmer's boy, and uh, uh, yeah, one one of the great guys, man, you're ever going to run into on a football field. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would uh, would love to, uh, like I said, talk to him, and then, like I said, I sit down with you and just pick your brain. Uh, and by the about, way, Kate uh, Stover is a tight end at Ohio State. For those who don't know who he is, <laughs> he didn't. He could. He did because I, I believe you know. I think we talked about this because he he did come in as a line. He enrolled as a linebacker, didn't he? Well, he ended up at tight end. Then they moved him to linebacker last year, especially, and he played in the Rose Bowl at linebacker, and then in the spring. Uh, they figured out maybe they're only going to play two linebackers pretty for the most part in this new uh, uh, four-two-five setup they've got with, under Jim Knowles, the new defensive coordinator, the new defensive coordinator. So they they needed his depth, basically his his phys- physicality at tight end. So they moved him back to tight end at the end of spring, and I think he likes it there. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Tim, again, a huge thank you for coming on, uh, spending a little bit of time here. Um, I will see you, I think, uh, back at uh, Indy uh, towards the end of July, and then I think we'll run into each other uh, in Nashville in uh, in August. You got it, brother. Always a pleasure, man. I enjoy talking to you. You know yep, that, absolutely. brother. You already yep. knew that, though, didn't you? Oh, I, I knew that going in, yes. And tell your daughter, I hope her softball team plays well. That's all I got. Uh, you know what? Believe it or not, she got not one but two game balls this year. She, I was shocked. I was shocked at getting two. I was shocked that you were able to get to her games and get back to the speedway. I mean, uh, uh, I don't know what kind of gas your 
you're burning in that vehicle, but it must be high octane. Well, it, it wasn't $6 a gallon at the time. I can tell you that. Gotcha, baby. Yeah. Uh, Tim, again, huge thank you for joining us and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you down the road. You get any time, brother. See you then. Yep. See you later. That was Tim May. Go check him out. Uh, great uh, coverage when it comes to auto racing, IndyCar. And then, like I said, he has a passion for following, uh, covering rather, uh, Ohio State football, if you're into that type of thing. Uh, definitely can't wait to uh, see him at uh, Indianapolis uh, at the end of July and uh, Nashville in uh, in the beginning of August. So that wraps it up for episode number four. Uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed the content uh, that was um, – uh, brought here uh, this evening. Um, as always, if you would please uh, make sure you use or make sure you follow rather the Push to Pass podcast on Facebook, Getter, True Social, and Twitter. Uh, we'll be back next week uh, previewing the row or uh, mid Ohio uh, race, and hopefully we may have a driver or two uh, stop by. We'll have to see how that works out. Uh, obviously we'll have Mike from uh, uh, bet IndyCar uh, stopping by to uh, tell us how he did uh, last weekend or two weekends ago at uh, road America. And then he will preview the betting lines and fantasy for uh, mid Ohio next week. So huge. Thank you to everyone that uh, listened or watched, and we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>